In this episode of 2000 Books, New York Times bestselling author and world's preeminent researcher on willpower, Dr. Roy Baumaster and I talk about how to manage willpower, increase willpower, and use willpower wisely in order to get the most out of life. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs every single week. And I'm your host and former computer engineer turned entrepreneur, Manny Wire. So these days, people often ask, Manny, you've read over a thousand books now. What is it? What is that one most important success lesson you've learned from all these books? What separates the successful from everyone else? So I decided to create a free video course to show you exactly what that number one ingredient of success is and how anyone can develop it. You can get it for free at 2000books.com slash success. That's 2000books.com slash success. Dr. Roy Baumeister is the world's preeminent researcher on willpower and the co-author of the New York Times best-selling book, Willpower, Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength. He's a professor of psychology at Florida State University, and he studies how we think about the self and why we feel and act the way we do. He's especially known for his work on the subjects of willpower, self-control, and self-esteem, and how they relate to human morality and success. Roy, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. All right, let's get started, Roy. Tell our listeners, please, what was your story? What was your story, and what led you to writing this book and researching on willpower? Yeah. Okay, well, uh, one theme of my entire career is trying to understand the uh, the human self, which is a very unusual uh, sort of psychological construct. Uh, no other creature has something quite like it. Um, and in the 1980s, uh, people started saying that how the self controls itself and regulates itself is a key. So I uh, set out to understand that. But so for me, the attraction to studying willpower and self-control was the, 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 the contribution to understanding the theory of self. Uh, for many other people, there's another very valid reason to do it, is it has so many practical uh, consequences and, and values. People with good self-control uh, are just better off in so many ways. They um, behave better, they're more popular, they're more successful, they earn more money, uh, they get along better with other people. Um, they're healthier, they have fewer mental and physical problems, uh, and at the far end of life, they live longer. Uh, mm. So uh, it's really a valuable trait, and many people are attracted to study it for these uh, these practical reasons as well as the, the theory. Yeah, and uh, you use self-control and willpower interchangeably. I assume that is by design. Well, I mean, willpower would be the energy that, that is used for self-control. I, mean, I don't know that your listeners care about the fine points of psychological theory, uh, but uh, self-control would be the process, and willpower would be the energy resource that it runs on. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure why my listeners care, but I. I really am. Uh, much as I'm an engineer, I. I, I get a kick out of uh, really understanding these things. So, pardon okay. my questions. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, so you, one of the things you say in the book is that this is the greatest human strength, that willpower, self-control. This is the most important thing we have available to us. Uh, how, why, why is that? Well, uh, I think um, the, the things I just mentioned in terms of all the benefits that it, it, it confers and uh, 
Um, the, the subtitle, uh, Tierney, my co-author, came up with that. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, for a scientist to make a claim like that, you have to back it up. And, and so um, you, you could make a case for a couple others that are uh, comparable to it. But uh, uh, I think it has a strong case, again, given that uh, you know, people live longer, get along uh, with better with other people, uh, succeed more in their work and school. Uh, it really affects a lot of things. Or let me put this another way: psychologists found two traits that really benefit people uh, uh, throughout, you know, every walk of life that they've been studied. One is intelligence, and one is self-control. There's not really much else that that has that many broad things, and, and hardly any downside. That you know, the smarter you are, the better, and the more self-control you are, the the better off you are. Uh, look very hard for any any sort of downturn at the high level, and not not found it. Um, uh, so those two traits really stand out, uh, and, and, and my point about the difference is we can improve people's self-control. Uh, improving people's intelligence uh, turns out to be hard. I mean, you can rectify when well, people don't get enough to eat uh, or highly sick when they're young, then they don't don't develop. But once somebody's reached young adulthood, their intelligence is pretty well locked. And there's not much that can be done to change it, but self-control can improve throughout life. So to me, that's a very exciting way that this is we can really have an avenue where psychology can make people's lives better, uh, and people can use this to benefit themselves. And you, you asked earlier why I wrote the book it was to uh, you know we've got to let people know these lessons. This can really help them um, make their lives better. I, I still get emails from people saying how much. Uh, our book helped them in their, their personal life. And it, it's very satisfying to an author to think, uh, you know, I did all these laboratory studies, but here I, I get an email from someone out of the blue saying uh, your, your, your book and your work has helped me. Yeah, absolutely. No, it is it is phenomenal. It has helped me personally a lot in terms of changing the habits, cha- focusing my willpower on the right things. But we'll get to that shortly. I want to understand... Um, you said we can improve our willpower. We can change our willpower. What are what are some of the things we can do in order to improve our willpower, increase our willpower? All right. Well, they're short-term and long-term. Uh, the best analogy that's held up over 20, 25 years of doing laboratory research is it's like a muscle. <clears throat> and so uh, you care for your willpower, your self-control capacity, the same way you would uh, take care of muscles. Um, so... Uh, what we, we, we do find, and lots of other people are now finding this too, is that regular exercise makes it stronger. Um, in our studies, we have people build up their willpower with fairly arbitrary uh, uh, exertions. We have, have people, we assign people to do things like, uh, well, if you're right-handed, um, for a week, use your left hand whenever you open a door or drink from a cup or brush your teeth. And, and these are fairly arbitrary things. But the, the point is, you have to Think about what you're doing uh, and, and then change it to override it. That's, that's the exertion of self-control. It's this conscious override. The first study, actually, uh, we had uh, that, that found uh, benefits from exercise. Uh, the exercise was posture. We told people, whenever you think about it, sit up straight and stand up straight. And this is kind of funny to me because uh, when I, I was a young boy in school, we had all these arbitrary rules of dress codes and posture and stuff like that. And, and so we rebelled against those and got rid of all these arbitrary rules. And now... Here, as a uh, elder adult, uh, 
uh, I'm finding from my research that actually, well, conforming to even these arbitrary rules, it does have some value. Not that you know you necessarily learn more if you're dressed in proper clothes than if you're dressed in blue jeans. Uh, but the exercise of complying with these arbitrary rules builds up your self-control capacity, uh, and then that carries over into one thing because it's it's one muscle, it's one resource that you use for everything. So, in our studies, we have people do the exercise, say with posture or with the left hand rather than the right hand and then we test them in the laboratory on their self-control and things that have nothing to do with posture nothing to do with right hand or left hand uh, and they they actually do better they show improvements compared to the control group so it's a it's a as I said it's one resource that you use for all these different things and by the same token uh, it can be depleted by one thing and then you don't have enough for for something completely different um, yeah so when you're asking how to improve self-control, uh, you need to understand that uh, you exert, uh, you expend some of this willpower when you're uh, doing self-control. And this is something you do many times all day long. It's uh, you, uh, you, uh, you resist uh, going to the bathroom or you make a difficult decision or you uh, make yourself make a phone call that you're not looking forward to or you uh, make yourself laugh or not laugh based on what uh, the boss says and uh, um, so all these little ways of, of uh, adjusting your behavior to rules and uh, curbing your responses, and this is what makes civilized life possible. <laughs> we all, we yeah. follow the rules so we can live together. That's why humans evolved this capacity for self-control, so we could take advantage of these marvelous social systems. Uh, but you have to play by the rules, and you have to uh, uh, subject your, uh, your behavior, uh, uh, control them in order to do them. And in, in, in the process, then, um, like with exercise, after you use it, you're, you're, the muscle is tired, and so you're a little bit weaker, and your self-control is is worse. But as you do it regularly, you get you get stronger. You build up the muscle again, like a muscle. Hmm. hmm. So, um, I mean, you gave a lot of different strategies, and probably in your testing, uh, in your in your research, and in, in all the work that you've done, um, there 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 are some strategies that you believe are. Uh, the most fundamental is meditation one of those because that's something that uh, is really powerful it's it's helped me a lot uh yes this is not something we have studied much or ever and uh, but it is a great way to do it meditative exercises are controlling your mind and your body if you sit there in a particular position and hold still you know, uh, the, i know that the basic introductory exercise in zen is to just count your breaths up to 10 uh, and then start over and, and, and keep counting them. So uh, it is a way of regulating uh, your behavior uh, and controlling your mind and your feelings and your your thoughts and, and so on. So yes, meditation is a is a great uh, uh, exercise in, in, in self control. So in fact, uh, some colleagues uh, working on other things they uh, discovered uh, uh, a while ago that religious people live longer than non religious people. And they probably want to think it's because God is helping them or something like that. Um, <laughs> that is a scientific hypothesis. But it doesn't seem to matter which God they believe in. It's in general uh, religious people of, of all sorts uh, live longer. So the question then became, what is it about religion that makes them live longer? And, and religious people have better self-control and religion support this. So uh, that's now understood to be one of the mechanisms by which religion prolongs life. Now, 
what about religion does that there are several possible theories and we don't know but but one of them is these exercises whether it's making yourself pray or meditate or uh, conform to rules that these build up the self-control muscle that's that's one among several hypotheses for why religion uh, prolongs life um but it is it is certainly a, a leading candidate mm-hmm. that that's yeah that, yeah it's hard to say that there's a specific religion that's causing you to live longer but as you say there um, we can we can get into why it might be helping and in the sense that you they are constantly exercising the self-control in the act of prayer in the act of uh, whatever they do on a daily basis creating a ritual and creating those willpowers around those uh, or having the willpower around those creating creations of those uh, rituals right. there are two other theories if you interested in the religion and self-control tie-in. You know, one is that you think God is watching you all the time, and so that makes you uh, have better self-control. Uh, and so that could be. Uh, and the other is being part of a community. So you know, religious uh, communities, they look after each other. If you start to drink too much or not show up for work or whatever, uh, other people in your church might uh, look after you and you know, you know, exert some positive influence on you to keep you going off, off the rails. All those, and they, they could all be true, um, all, all three of those. So religion may have multiple effects on, on self-control. Mm-hmm. But uh, the basic point is, is, is solid either way, that uh, yeah. religion prolongs life by partly by virtue of, of improving self-control. Mm, interesting. And uh, some of the other factors uh, are food and sleep, um, very um, yes, underrated. absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was going to bring those when you say how to improve self-control. Um, sleep is important. We have not studied it extensively. Uh, but, you know, nobody gets up in the morning and goes on an eating binge or a crime spree or anything like that. Uh, most breakdowns in self-control are late in the day uh, when people are tired, and they're especially likely when people are sleep-deprived uh, uh, and so on. So uh, getting enough sleep uh, is, is one factor. Uh, and the other is is food, and that that ties into more directly into the willpower uh, resources. Willpower is energy, food is energy, and these are indeed tied together. Uh, when people's willpower is low, in our laboratory studies, if they you know, exerted self control and used up some of their willpower, uh, if we give them uh, some food, that helps them recover faster. And we, we carefully uh, we, we often do this by giving people a glass of lemonade which you can do either with a diet sweetener or with uh, with, with sugar. And, and sugar gives a dose of glucose, so there's a quick infusion of energy. So uh, we use them in our studies because they taste about the same. And, you know, you can do a nice, very well-controlled double-blind study where nobody knows what's in the lemonade except the, the person who mixed it who's not, not present. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find when we look it up that the people who got lemonade with sugar, uh, their self-control has bounced back. And the people who got uh, equally tasty lemonade with a diet sweetener, um, they are still depleted and their self-control is uh, is impaired. Uh, so, uh, and, and I know it's there's a little bit of irony in, in using sugar to improve self-control because a lot of people want to use their self-control to resist eating sugary, fattening foods, and I, I, I don't advocate eating sugar. We do it in the lab because it, it's very fast. It, it's very fast-acting. Uh, but in your own life, if you want to improve self-control, you want something with a 
you know, the glycemic index where it will burn over a longer period of time. So mm -hmm. instead of the, the quick up and then the quick crash, which uh, sugar gives you, you know, eat some protein, uh, which your body can then uh, digest and will furnish uh, energy for, for um, several hours. Uh, and, and that will improve self-control. But, but yes, that, that works. Both food and sleep um, uh, contribute to the healthy functioning of the brain and mind and, uh, and good self-control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, eating low glycemic index foods is all around a great idea, but especially when it comes to willpower because the sugar crashes can totally take you out of your decision power and your willpower. So many times that happens, like you come back from home from work and uh, suddenly you're tired and you grab the cookie jar. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think every parent knows like the day after Halloween that the kids are especially grumpy and, and crabby because uh, they eat a whole lot of sugar uh, and had the up and then the down in the, in the crash stage. Yeah. Um, so the highest leverage use of willpower, because there's so many ways we can apply willpower and misuse it, mis like misapply it in the sense we can use it to make small decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. We can use it to um, do things that don't necessarily add value to our lives, but we end up spending all our willpower. And as entrepreneurs, as owners of our business, it's really important to make sure we're spending it on the things that matter. So what is like, what are the things that really matter when it comes to using your discipline properly? Where should we apply it? Well, that's a good point. You need, you need to be judicious and conservative. I, uh, I, I noted uh, after the New York Times uh, did a, a book on the decision or an article on decision fatigue based on our uh, our work. Uh, uh, even President Obama started uh, adopting these practices, and he said he he's just going to wear the same clothes every day, blue or gray suit. Uh, he says I don't want to waste any energy deciding what to wear or what to eat. Uh, is, uh, okay. you, you made the decision I'll wear blue and gray suits and, and that's it and uh, these are the things I like to eat and so let other people do that that way he can conserve his energy for the important decisions and uh, I think uh, entrepreneurs uh, are going to face challenges and, and, and it is an important point making choices making decisions uh, that that uses willpower also yes um, so um, that will impair your self-control and, and that's probably as relevant or more relevant to the entrepreneurs uh, than the, the, the self-control aspect. Um, so, uh, yes, when you can save wear and tear on your limited willpower, uh, you can save it for the big, big things by having morning routines, by having habits, by uh, yeah, wearing the same clothes. Uh, uh, there was a, a Dilbert cartoon where uh, uh, the... the the woman in the office is saying, uh, don't you feel embarrassed wearing the same clothes every day uh, to the office? And he said, well, uh, no, you got to conserve your energy. And she said, I made 75 fashion decisions before breakfast. And he said, well, I wrote an app. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that you can use the same energy for one thing or another. And, uh, and yes, if you want to get the most out of it and put it into your work, which I think is a priority for entrepreneurs, um, you, you want to economize in other things. It's what your know, work-family balance is, a, is an issue, too. It's, it's how if you're having stress in your, in your marriage or in your family, that takes a toll. That sucks a lot of willpower. Even just controlling your emotions when dealing with it, that's going to deplete your energy. And so then you'll have less uh, to get get to the office. I, I know from, you know, I've been 
happily married for a long time, but uh, before that, I had some good and bad relationships, and I noticed, you know, I was struggling. I'd get to the office, and I was already exhausted. I got to the office, whereas I started having a good relationship, and I got to the office, and I felt like I had more energy, uh, thanks to the thanks to the good relationships. So, um, uh, so you know, look at your whole life in this in this in this way, and how. What is your willpower going into? What are you putting it into? And um, how can you conserve it for the things that are really important? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things you you kind of alluded to as you were going through this uh, discussion is creation of habits uh, for the use of, like, that's, like, one of the great uses of our willpower. And it seems like that's, like, probably um, a really difficult thing to, thing to do when we start off, but has huge rewards if we're able to follow through on creation of those important habits in our lives. Yes, this uh, this was a big change in my thinking. You know, as I said, I've been doing the research for, for, for 20 years, and you know, how is it that people with good self-control end up better? And initially we thought, well, they're better able at resisting temptation and stuff like that. But it turns out, no, they, they, they hate they resist temptation less. They just don't expose themselves to temptation. So in the book, we call this playing offense, not defense. You can wait for your self-control to bail you out when you're in trouble. Uh, you know, that's when you need willpower and character when there's a crisis. Well, you know, some crises are thrust upon you, but if you can prevent crises, um, you can get uh, you get a lot more success, again, with the, the same amount of resources. And so what really successful people do is they use their self-control to break bad habits and to form good habits, and then life can run on automatic pilot uh, in, in a lot of ways. And again, that way it conserves your willpower, conserves your energy for uh, the, the challenges you really have to deal with. So um, working through habits, this this was a big change. It, it started when we were looking at the, the personality differences and uh, summarize all the work and it turns out people with good self-control made a much bigger effect on work performance and school performance uh, than it did on eating and dieting and smoking and, and people tend to think uh, um, willpower they associate it with uh, uh, with smoking and, and, and dieting mm -hmm. but um, um, uh, but uh, I don't know. but the effects there were small. I mean, they're, they're real, but they're small. But the way people, the way people with good self-control succeed at work, it's not that they save up their willpower to help them work all night when there's a crisis. Rather, they get things done early so they don't have to work all night. They, uh, you know, they form good work habits and good study habits, and these uh, are what bring success over the long run. Uh, it's not uh, dealing with a single crisis. It's, it's as I said, developing uh, systems and habits and routines uh, so that uh, life can go smoothly and you aren't confronted with uh, as many stresses and problems and challenges. I mean, a lot of stress, people make problems for themselves by impulsive actions or doing things they're sorry about that they then have to, uh, to, to overdo and overcome. And so uh, using your self-control proactively, don't overcommit yourself, don't... Uh, uh, make rash decisions or you'll have to clean up the mess later. Um, these things uh, are, the, are the best way to conserve and get the most out of your willpower in the long run. Yeah. And uh, so as you, as you're saying, it's like, it's almost like you are making it almost, you're, you're, you're designing your life such that you don't have to uh, 
use your willpower in those situations rather than bringing it to bear every time. Is that is that is that what's going on? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the more things you can do uh, automatically, um, you know, by habit, uh, I mean, and that's the way we evolved. The human mind evolved uh, to use conscious, deliberate control for learning new things, but then they become automatic. They become habit. Uh, they become a, a, a skill. So you don't have to use that much conscious control because conscious control is mentally expensive. It uses a lot more resources. So the more we can develop things and habit and skill and, and so forth and do them automatically, uh, that, that, that saves energy. We evolved that way for a reason uh, and it works. So let that, let that work for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, now, there's, there's quite a lot, of, uh, a lot of research you guys talk about in the idea that um, you know, we need to, it's, it's much better, much easier to just control the environment or or making willpower somewhat like something that you don't necessarily want to bank on to do everything in life uh, so it's much easier for example like right now i'm doing some sort of a bodybuilding exercise and uh, much rather i had much rather not have certain kinds of food in my refrigerator or in my house than have to resist those temptations so controlling the environment it's 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 way more. It's way better for me in the big picture scheme of things, rather than using that as a way to exercise my willpower, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, so you, you exert willpower once to get rid of the the foods that are bad for you, so that then you're not uh, you're not tempted. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also the idea that you know we need to create some sort of ways to outsmart ourselves. Uh, maybe something, some kinds of high level thinking, like using. Okay, so I guess uh, as as uh, I think as you say it in the book, it's it's being able to understand the why behind what we're doing, or being able to understand uh, why we're doing something, or get like thinking bigger about the future, or thinking about our future before we take certain actions, causes us to make the willpower at least not so. Um, not so uh, not something that we're uh were heavily required to use in the moment so oh, okay so we're talking devices like pre-commitment and yes. you 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 sign up that uh, you automatically save a certain part of your paycheck each time so you don't you aren't tempted to spend it each each time uh, and you don't have to use self-control every time a paycheck comes to put some money into savings it happens automatically uh yes those devices are uh are, are very good and, and they essentially work again because they uh, take the strain off uh, off of willpower. Yeah, you know, so, so willpower you said to set up the system, not to make all the individual choices. So yeah, so the pre-commitment strategies, as you're talking about, I mean, uh, in financial area, that's one of them. But also uh, pre-committing to, uh, let's say, you want to hit a certain goal. You have certain maybe bodily goals or uh, physical goals or financial goals or uh, whatever goals you have. You tell other people or you use the social scenario to get yourself to take action. Yes, yes. I know you mentioned uh, bodybuilding and so on, and, and, and for me, I'm, I have a good exercise program, but 
you know, from what I read, you should do different things. You shouldn't just do run a couple of miles every day, but the habit is easier to just run a couple of miles every day and do it at the same time. Uh, then I don't have to think about it. So I, I, I do what's maybe not uh, the absolute ideal in terms of exercise benefit. Uh, but if I start varying and skipping days, you know, then, it, then the habit falls apart and then I end up not exercising as much. So it's best to, uh, you know, to work with, uh, with the habit system that way. Yeah. And using social pressure to get us to take action sometimes really helps. Uh, helps yes. Um, have you guys like, is there, is there a specific, uh, or is there research or science that backs the fact that, you know, putting social pressure into the situation really, uh, forces us to take uh, action or uh, it almost like it's it's outsmarting ourselves kind of strategy? Um, I'd have to uh, ponder a little bit how much data there are, but I'm, it's, it certainly seems to be true. Um, the cases, uh, for example, of the people who try to walk a certain number of steps every day, you can do that on your own. You don't need anybody else, but uh, my sense is the groups who, uh, okay, we're all going to monitor each other and report uh, today how many steps they got, that, that keeps them more motivated. And because other people say, oh, you didn't make your uh, quota yesterday, uh, then they feel bad until they want to be sure to make it tomorrow and maybe make up the ones that they didn't, they didn't do. So, yes, we, we, are, we are social creatures, so we care a lot more about what others think of us than what we think of ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, that's normal and natural. And so, yes, use that to, uh, to build the good habits and break, break the bad ones. The public commitment is a, is a powerful force to, uh, um, help people behave better. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think another, another way to look at it was, uh, what you, what another way to look at it is like in the idea of goal setting using, uh, proximal goals rather than distal goals or no goals at all in order to accomplish our our big picture vision or whatever we're trying to go after. Yes, well, it's important to have both the long-term goals and the, and the short-term goals. If you have either without the other, you don't usually end up where you want to be. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is where I want to be uh, in five years or ten years. Uh, and, but that also has to translate is that this is what I have to do this week in order to stay on track for getting there to where I want to be in 10 years. So it's almost like, uh, I mean, somehow having the willpower in that situation, it, it's, it's like we're using specific strategies to amplify our willpower, amplify the use of our willpower. So we're not just saying, okay, I'll accomplish this goal a year from now and let's just go after it. Or you, we're breaking things down. We're making it easier for ourselves to apply or to, to, to make use of the limited willpower resources we have. Correct, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the, the, we've been talking about a lot of different strategies that people can use to strengthen their willpower to, to not only strengthen their willpower, but use willpower the right way, use willpower to leverage uh, to, or find ways to leverage and use it to, to the best. And uh, one of the things uh, I, I guess a lot of people think about, and we started the discussion around this idea, is that they might think, well, I have willpower in this area, but I don't have willpower in that area. Is that even the right kind of thinking? 
Um, well, you have one resource of willpower, and you can put it into different things. Because it's limited, yes, people put it into one thing rather than the other. And, uh, um, you know, you can put it into keeping your desk clean and neat, or you can put it into getting things done on time, or put it into uh, getting along better with your uh, romantic partners and family. Um, so uh, it's not really that you couldn't do the other things. You, you could do you could make different choices to uh, how to how to use your willpower um, but people have the impression it, it's it's not it's not technically true that you have more willpower in one area than in another it's uh, your body has the same resources of energy uh, that can be expended on this or that uh, but yes because it's limited you use it for one thing rather than another mm-hmm. so it's almost like we we are thinking that we have uh, control in one area or the other, but it's just uh, it's just the fact that we're not using it properly in general because it's just coming from one pool, one bucket in some ways, and we can right, it's allocate. Yep, allocate it to this rather than that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit time. The same thing, you know. I have time for this. I don't have time for that. Well, you do have time. <laughs> you have the same amount of time. It's just uh, it's more important for you to put the time into this than that. So it's almost like you have to bring an awareness into your life as to where it is that I'm abusing my willpower, where it is that I'm using it, and look at life from yes. a bigger picture perspective. Right, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so, so Roy, we've been we've been at it for a while. We've been talking about so many great strategies, but I'm gonna step back at this time. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna ask you as as you have you are the world's preeminent researcher you're one of the best researchers in the world of willpower uh, tell our listeners at least uh, one specific thing they should do to either increase their willpower use the willpower the right way whatever it is whether it comes from the interview we've done today or all your years of research what is the one thing that we should all learn know or do about willpower well, you know, scientists, we don't like to say there's one thing. There are multiple things we've talked about already. <laughs> you know, try to take care to get enough food and sleep. Understanding, I mean, that's what I hoped in writing the book, that if you understand how it works, how it's tied into the body's food supply, uh, how things that seem to be completely irrelevant can sap your energy, um, understanding how the system works, that can really uh, help you get the most out of life. One change I made uh, it's, uh, and I, I don't do research to you know fit into my personal life, but when things come up, they're, they're relevant. Um, I used to always keep going when I started to get sick, and you know the physician would say, uh, "Oh, you shouldn't work. Go, uh, go rest." And I think, well, I'm not digging ditches out in the hot sun. I'm just uh, sitting at a desk writing. Actually, I can keep on doing that. Um, but what you don't realize is your immune system uses a lot of the same energy when it's fighting off an illness. Uh, so, uh, so if you keep on working, it's going to make you feel, uh, it's going to take away energy that your immune system could use to uh, improve your health. Hmm. So when I start to get sick now, I try to, uh, disengage from, uh, uh work and, and just try to sleep for 36 hours and let your system have, have all the energy it wants. 
Um, and that's, that's more efficient because then you don't get sick and you get back at work. Whereas you, what I used to is try to keep working and then the work wouldn't be very good and I'd end up having to redo it anyway. And plus you get sick and sometimes you end up with fighting a nagging cold for a couple of weeks and, and performing below capacity. So, you know, understanding stuff like that, that yes, your immune system needs all the glucose, uh, which is, you know, the body's energy supply, all the energy that it can to fight the illness. Uh, that's why it, it wants you to just go withdraw from everything and, and, and sleep. Um, and even sitting at a desk, it's not the physical exertion of sitting, it's the mental exertion, but the, your brain is the biggest user uh, of energy uh, in the body. Mm. Um, so keeping your, your brain humming along, it will, uh, it will take away from, uh, uh, from your body's ability to fight the disease. So again, I can't, can't give you one thing, but, but um, what we try to do with the, the book is make this accessible so people can understand you have a lot of energy. You have more than you think, uh, but it's still limited, and you've got to contend with uh, the physical and psychological processes that uh, will hold you back from being able to get the most out of your work and, and most out of your life. And self-control is a is a great uh, thing. It makes people more successful. It also makes them happier, uh, and as I said, healthier and longer life living and everything else. Uh, so this is really a marvelous thing to understand how it works and, and put it to work for you absolutely yeah well this is this is this is great uh well roy thank you very much for taking the time to educate our audience about willpower i appreciate that very much please tell our listeners where to find you where to find all your work and the book and all that good stuff okay well um you can just look up my name online i'm easy to find uh, uh but uh, the the book uh, is called Willpower, Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength. Uh, I wrote it with uh, John Tierney, a New York Times uh, science writer. Um, it was a, uh, a Times bestseller. Um, and that's available uh, anywhere, Amazon or, or bookstores or uh, from the publisher. Uh, so it, it's easy enough to uh, find and, and download. Um, and uh, people who need to contact me as a I said, just look at my name online. I'm easy to find. Sure. Well, thank you very much, Roy. Okay. Thank you for having me on the show. So as more and more people find out about what I do, the question I invariably get asked is, Manny, you've read over a thousand books now. What is the most important success lesson you've learned from all these books? What is it that separates the winners, the successful from everyone else? So... I decided to create a free video course to show you exactly what that number one ingredient of success is and how anyone can develop it. You can get it for free at 2000books.com slash success. Well, until next time, my ambitious friends, do something great with your life. Don't waste it. So a lot of you have asked me how I consume seven books a week. Well, I do read a lot, but I also listen to audiobooks when I'm driving, when I'm working out, when I'm running errands, when I'm out running. It's such a great use of my time. And not only that, I listen to the books at three times the normal speed. Yeah, it's 3x. So I consume a six-hour-long book in two hours flat. I just love Audible for that. And I've been using it for years now. And right now, you can give Audible a try by signing up for a free trial membership and get any audiobook in their library for free. 
And if you don't like it, just cancel the trial membership and you won't be charged anything. However, you still get to keep the audiobook forever for free. So to avail this offer, just head on over to 2000books.com slash free. That's 2000books.com slash F-R-E-E free.